everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we get ready for another incredibly busy week in WWE. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, per the usual, is my co-captain, my co-host, my right-hand man, the wise man, and sometimes advocate for Von Wagner and proud Golden State Warrior supporter. I bring to you, as always, Scott Young, and you can hear the sigh realizing that I just made his day miserable. So a couple things. Normally, I, normally this is the part where I say, "Oh, Keila, it's a pleasure, you know, to be here and the and the chop it up and talk all things WWE with you in the week that was." But you know, since we're just throwing slander out here right at the top of the show, that I'm sure the boss, by the way, uh, Gigi, shout out to Gary Gonzalez because I'm sure he's uh he's loving that. I I I. I am the the greatest anti Golden State Warriors fan you will ever meet. I, I and they were up nineteen as we record this. They were up nineteen points last night, or down nineteen to the Dallas Mavericks early in the second quarter, and they ended up winning. It's just such a miserable thing to watch Golden State come back and win, and it just put me in a bad mood. And, and Keela, we had a great conversation off air. You know, I was expecting to have a wonderful show here, and the first thing I hear is Golden State fan, and now now I'm upset. Drake voice. I'm upset. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I love I this. <laughs> I love this time of year when you get to suffer for two months watching the greatness of Steph Curry and oh Clay Thompson and, Dr- and Draymond Green just perfecting their craft for our entertainment. You talking about the same Draymond Green that had three points, five turnovers and six fouls last game? That greatness and listen, that was a fine triple single. They still won. <laughs> <laughs> Man, let me tell you, I will say this, though. I, I have, you know, as much as I hate the Warriors, there is a there is a strong respect there for them. I, you know, I, a lot of respect, but I just I just hate watching them win. I just hate it. I'm a I'm a true hater. You are. And I respect the fact that you are a hater of the Golden State Warriors. And I'm sorry that LeBron's not here this year to participate in this because the Lakers were very old men, unable to compete at a high level. And he's wondering to himself, what do I have to do to become a Golden State Warrior to get my fifth ring in the NBA? So a couple things. My hate for Golden State far outweighs my love for LeBron James. Let me tell you that. So if LeBron were, because I am I am a huge LeBron guy. So if he ever were to decide to join the Golden State Warriors, yeah, I'm going to be that guy that burns the jersey. And I'm going to burn every single one starting with Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and then to L.A. I'm talking all four of them. I'm taking them all. I might even go get a St. Akron jersey. <laughs> might, even, might even take it to that level if he decides to go join the Warriors. I'm not having it. I'm not here for it. Keela, what's going on? Is there some is there some issue going on? What's what's going on here? Do we need to talk about something? I I feel attacked right now. Where did the oh my goodness the LeBron shots the Warriors? This is this is not going good. And then and then we got to talk about reparations. This is this is just gonna this is just not my night. (laughs) Well, this is Christmas for me. 
I love this, knowing that this time of year really gets under your skin. So I'm going to enjoy these few weeks I have with the Warriors being dominant and hopefully being crowned the next NBA champions. But we got to add some levity here because it's been a rough week for reparations as we had a great start to the year. And now... We are close to Juneteenth and WWE is fucking trying it on levels we have not seen in quite some time. Yeah, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, it seems like the the reparations that are given and, and, and all companies, by the way, are just not are not the ones that are they're not being received well and for the for very good reasons. So it's it's a very interesting time. And you know, shout out to the ladies, man, you know, that because that's that's the gist of what we're going to talk about. And, you know, for this show, as far as that, and they put their foot down and some and even somebody like Sasha Banks, who has a lot to a lot riding on that as far as she's not a lot riding on it, but she's a one of the top four women in the company, top three, probably, and could be the easily be the slotted as one of the, the number one woman in the company. And, you know, she's putting her foot down and she has a as far as we could tell, a pretty good relationship with, from everything that she says with the big guy. So, you know, shout out to the ladies, man. Stand up for what you believe in. Yes, I'm always an advocate for that as we get to our top story this week, which is everything surrounding Sasha Banks and Naomi, now former WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. It was a big blow up this past Monday on Raw in Norfolk, in Norfolk, Virginia. And the graphic that appeared at the very top of the show was advertising a six pack challenge for a shot at the Raw Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell against Bianca Belair. And you had the tag team champs front and center, Sasha Banks and Naomi. You had Becky Lynch, Asuka. And rounding out the top six was Dewdrop and Nikki Ash. And when I looked at the match itself on paper, it looked good. But then I thought to myself, didn't Dewdrop and Nikki Ash lose last week? So why are, they in the, why are they in this match qualifying for a shot to face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell? And I guess Sasha Banks and Naomi felt the same way. And they felt as if... They should not be in this match. And Naomi was going to win the matchup. And there's been some speculation as to who she was going to pin. Was it going to be her tag team partner, Sasha Banks? Was it going to be Nikki A.S.H.? We truly don't know. In any event, Naomi was going to win this match, move on to face Bianca Belair, and then Sasha would move on to face Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at the very same premium live event. But they weren't feeling the creative for whatever reason, and it was a chain of command situation, talking to Vince, talking to management, and a lot of back and forth led to both ladies entering the office of John Laurinaitis, head of talent relations, throwing their belts on the table and saying, we're out. During Monday Night Raw, while the show was in progress and there was a story from PW Insider around 8.30 saying that something's going on regarding Sasha Banks and Naomi. They left the building and the main event was going to be reconfigured to Becky Lynch versus Asuka and the winner will move on to face Bianca Belair at the pay-per-view. And I'm thinking to myself, that would be the better plan because that, that was what you were building in the first place based on what you did last week when Becky Lynch went after Naomi, not, not Naomi, when she went after Bianca Belair and Asuka. So I'm like, well, this booking did not make any sense and you're basically putting the women's tag team championships on ice for at least a month or two and there are no assurances that you're going to play this match back up at money in the bank featuring sasha and naomi versus nikki and dewdrop 
were you really going to build up to that a month later at Money in the Bank when you have the ladder match itself? Maybe you would put them in the ladder match again to vie for another shot at a championship. So I can't trust WWE creative. And I got to believe that this has been building up for a while between Sasha Banks and possibly Vince McMahon and Naomi as well. Something is going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to. And at some point you do reach your breaking point. You do reach your limit of taking bullshit. And if we can say something's not right, if people can write about it all the time, respectfully, of course, then maybe the talent needs to advocate for themselves. And sometimes the best thing you can possibly do is walk away. But there are consequences to walking away. And I'm all for them taking a stand and saying enough is enough. And those consequences were revealed on Friday Night Smackdown by Michael Cole, who had to sound very remorseful on commentary, stating that they let us down. They were unprofessional. They let their fan base down by not delivering on Monday. So therefore, they're indefinitely suspended from WWE. And we're going to crown new tag team champions. And we're looking at the division. It's the division of two teams right now via Natalia and Shayna Baszler. And maybe Carmella and Queen Zelina, perhaps Dewdrop and Nikki Ash makes a cut as well. Who else do you have to round out a tournament for these tag team titles? And not only have they been suspended by WWE indefinitely, Naomi and Sasha have been removed from the signature opening of WWE. Then now together forever, they're not there. They've been scrubbed. If you look at NXT level up, Sasha Banks was in that introduction. She's not there anymore. All of their merchandise has been pulled from WWEshop.com. Their Facebook pages have been removed. Naomi has removed WWE Superstar from her bio. So this is a very serious situation that I have not seen this scorched earth from WWE since Stone Cold walked out on the company nearly 20 years ago next month. So I don't know if there's something about 20 years in the air, a lot of debuts, a big walkout happened around 20 years ago next month. All of this leading up to what happened this past Monday. And I am in complete defense of Sasha Banks and Naomi because at some point you do get tired of the bullshit. Sometimes you have to speak up for yourself and say this isn't right. And when I looked at that six pack challenge, I thought to myself, you know, the match quality will be good. But what does Nikki Ash and Dewdrop have to do in this match necessarily? They lost to the tag team champions last week and you lose and you get to qualify for another championship match. I did not get that. And I can understand the fact that you might not want to lose to Bianca Belair and Ronda Rousey in a pay-per-view that is deemed pointless by WWE because it's not in a stadium. They are prefacing stadiums over these small arena shows. I get that to a point, but that's why you brought back Alexa Bliss. That's why you were pushing Serena Deville against Bianca Belair for the last month and a half or so. So if you don't want to give away Bianca Belair and Asuka and or Becky Lynch at this next pay-per-view and you want to save it for the stadium, then by all means, use Sonya, use Alexa Bliss as a bridge to get to where you need to go and possibly let Sasha Banks and Naomi defend the tag team titles themselves against Dewdrop and Nikki Ash. That was the direction they were going in. And then you pivoted and you can't trust this company when it comes to the booking of these tag team titles. Unfortunately, there is a track record of them dropping the ball. And Sasha Banks is very adamant about how these championships are booked and presented. And she's been snake bit one too many times. And maybe perhaps this past Monday, she finally reached her limit alongside Naomi. This, uh, this situation is... 
I, by the way, what you the way you laid that out there, how you kind of set the table with everything that was all beautifully done, and it, it really kind of painted the picture of everything. I, one thing I like to do with stuff like this is I try to look at it from all angles, just to you know see you know why a situation like this would even occur, you know, and you know Sasha Banks was in a very similar type storyline two years ago when her and Bailey were the tag team champions and they were going after um, the the Raw Women's Champion that Asuka had. So like this is something that Sasha Banks has done. So it does kind of make me wonder what else is going on as to why they are so frustrated. Um, one thing I, I thought about, you know, when the, you, know, you, you brought this up in the notes as far as what we were going to talk about. During this past year, Charlotte Flair, who... I, you know, gets a, gets a bad rep, but she, she truly is the opportunity in WWE, regardless of how you feel about her, her matches are a big deal and her presence is already being felt by the way. Let me just throw that out there. Um, she had two stories going with Sasha Banks and Naomi, um, where she was, you know, her title was a part of the story with both of them and both of those ladies got put on the back burner by one Ronda Rousey, no reparations there for the ladies. Um, but, you know, so maybe that's kind of where, the, and that kind of got me thinking, maybe that's kind of where this is all stemming from because, you know, they both got it. And, they, you know, I, they both like, all right, you know what, we'll, we'll take this on the chin. We'll, we'll try to revitalize the tag titles. Well, they get the big moment and, you know, they're, they're doing a, a fine job. I'm not quite as high. I wasn't as high on the team at first, but they've definitely gelled. They've done a lot to incorporate tag team maneuvers. Their matches are better than the normal WWE women's tag team matches are. So there's definitely like the effort they put into it. And I wonder if they, if it is kind of what you were saying, they don't feel like they're being rewarded after they've already been shafted for Ronda Rousey. You know, and I kind of, I saw the working plan was Naomi to face Bianca, Sasha to face Ronda Rousey. Sounds kind of cool. You know, you have the tag champions doing that, but like you said, it puts the tag titles on ice. You know, are you, are you going to let them do double duty? Are you going to let them defend the tag titles in the opening match and then they go and try to win the titles? Because that's a nice story. Because then you're, then you're not only defending your tag titles, you're keeping the tag division relevant. Now you're also telling a separate, you're telling, you know, nuanced stories there. And those are little things, but they're not doing that. They're just doing exactly what you said. You know, the, the old movie trope was, you know, you put the you put the wife in the freezer. That's essentially what they were doing with the tag titles. You, I mean, that's a spot on uh, call right there. And, it, and that and it really to me, that has to be what it is. Sasha Banks has always been about this tag division. She's always been high. Like you could tell that's always been something that's been important to her. Her relationship with FTR, like, you know, all of that means something. All of that is relevant in this. I, I have to feel like, um, you know, I, and like none of us know, but you I, to to go from because Sasha Banks is a game changer. Like if she leaves, that is a huge, huge blow. I talk about Charlotte Flair being the opportunity and all this stuff. And yeah, her presence will be is missed and is being felt now. But Sasha Banks leaves and goes to an AEW because you would be an idiot not to sign her. And Tony Khan's not an idiot. Sasha Banks is a game changer. Like she is somebody 
who changes the the landscape. Like I, and I, I legit, I'm not, I don't, I'm not making that as a hyperbole or any, like I don't, I mean what I say, she is a game changer. She changes the landscape. She becomes arguably outside of CM Punk, the most popular wrestler on the entire brand in AEW. In my opinion, like I don't think WWE truly realizes the pull and the attraction that Sasha Banks has from all levels, all ages, all genders, all walks. Like I, I just, I can't stress enough how major this is. Like you, you compared this to Stone Cold walking out, and people may kind of roll their eyes and be like, "What are you talking about?" Sasha Banks is. she can be like that like she's that level of a star and my i genuinely believe like some of smackdown's biggest ratings came with with her feud with bailey you know what i mean like some of the the greatest moments in wwe history involve sasha banks the some of the greatest moments in north american rest women's wrestling history involve sasha banks you can't tell the story of the women's revolution without Sasha Banks. You, you you can't tell that story. Like what she has meant to WWE can't be replicated, man. Like I I, I would bend I'm bending over backwards to keep her. So I, I like what happened in that meeting to make them drop the titles and walk out. Naomi's fine. She'll be fine too. And she has a lot of support because she's in, she's got the Uso and she's got the Roman. Like they're going to support their family. And, but she's not a game changer. She'll be like Ruby Soho. She'll have a nice debut and then she'll be on AEW uh, Dark and Elevation and probably, and she'll probably end up being with Swerve and Keith Lee, knowing how they do. But Sasha Banks, that is a game changer and is somebody that can be the face of your brand i i i like what happened in the what happened in the room that you know so the old hamilton song you know whatever happened in the room i want to be in the room where it happens like what happened in that room it's that's it's it's, it's unfathomable to me that they didn't bend over backwards for her it's stunning and I want to go back to the Stone Cold comparison since it's 20 years ago next month where it happened in Atlanta. Ironically enough, he told JR, listen, I ain't losing to Brock. I'm at Hartsville Jackson Airport. I'll see y'all on the flip side. And we didn't see that man until February 2003, just in time for WrestleMania 19, when he would face the Rock, the man that told all of us that Stone Cold took his ball and went home. And I remember I picked up an episode, uh, a magazine for WWE Raw. And Stone Cold was on the cover, photoshopped, of course. And they had on the T-shirt, not what, but why. Why did he walk out? What led up to it? It was a hit piece of hit pieces. Between that and WWE Confidential, they raked that man through the coals. And in 2022, the way that WWE was responding with Sasha and Naomi, we're just going to wipe you off from history. You don't exist. And I just want to know what you want to know. What happened? What led up to this moment? And then I got this news alert from Tony Storm that that was doing an interview with AEW Unrestricted. And then you really find out some inner workings of creative that has not really changed in the last 10 or so years. And that the initial pitch of the pie throwing incident was not the first idea of having a pie thrown on her face. It was, hey, Tony, do you mind if we rip off your shirt and expose your bra in 2021? 
to forward an angle. So if that is the pitch going on behind the scenes with Tony Storm, what the hell is going on with Sasha and Naomi? What ideas are you cooking up that they're not feeling that is as bad, if not worse than that? So it was an accumulation of stuff happening behind the scenes, I believe, that would lead to a walkout. And you get tired of people trying to tell you how to act, how to be, how to take what you're given. You reach a breaking point. Seth Rollins even admitted that I wanted to punch out Vince with that fiend shit of Hell in a Cell nearly three years ago. He didn't do it, of course, but you do feel that frustration. They all have to have that smile and that company logo saying, we love WWE, we love them. And Sasha tweets, I love Vince, thank you, Vince. But at some point, you do get tired of this. And there is a subset of stars in the back that love what they do. The catering is fantastic. They're content. But there is a flip side to this, and it applies to Sasha Banks, and I think it applies to Naomi as well. They take this shit seriously. This is art for them. They take value in these tag team titles. You put us together for a reason. You iced us out out of key matches for this year's WrestleMania. So we're going to make this thing work. We were making it work. And now you think you're rewarding us for giving us two title matches that we're going to lose and that you're going to put our titles on ice. The preferred outcome for us would be to elevate Dewdrop and Nikki Ash, bring her back as Nikki Cross, and they can have great matches on pay-per-view and television because you don't see us as being those major, major champions right now. You put us together as a tag team for a reason. It's not two years ago when the clear story was Sasha going after Bayley SmackDown Women's Championship. Those tag team titles were amplified because they defended on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. They gave Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax that shine in two championship matches. Those titles were relevant two years ago. And when you say to Sasha and Naomi, hey, you know, Ron is coming back. Here's your backup plan. You take it. You run with it. And you try your damnedest to get these titles over. Sasha's doing press everywhere from Fenway Park to Paris with Naomi. And they're what? Showcasing their championships on their backs. So what's up with that? Why can't you provide them that level of support? Because Sasha's been there, done that. Not once, not twice, but three times as champion. They got it right a couple of years ago during a pandemic. But now you're trying to backtrack and think you're doing somebody a favor but saying it's an honor to lose to Ronda Rousey. She lost to her three years ago at the Warrior Rumble, and she didn't like it then either. And she admits that. It's not her favorite match. It wasn't her favorite opponent. She did her thing, but she wasn't feeling it like that because you knew the outcome would be academic, just like what it would have been next month in Chicago. Because as WWE said, these arena shows don't mean, mean as much as these stadium shows. So why have us in these positions when it really doesn't matter in hindsight, when these titles are on ice again and again and again? There have been cases when the Raw Women's Championship has not been defended on pay-per-view for six or more months. The IC title I talked about before our show has not been defended on a pay-per-view since WrestleMania. These tag team titles have not been defended on a pay-per-view since this year's WrestleMania. There is a pattern of secondary titles not being shown love. But when you trust somebody to elevate them and then you backtrack on that, that is where the issues lie. And I could only imagine the headbutting going on behind the scenes before this blow up this past Monday. You know, at the end of the day, I think a situation like this, and you, you said this off air again when we were talking, there's a group chat, you know, all the tea is in the group chat. 
So whenever they feel like spreading the tea with everybody, you know, whenever we have our, our Boston Tea Party, then uh, we're going to find out what really happened. And it's going to be an interesting day. Or whenever she joins AEW and gets on the Chris Jericho podcast, whichever one of those two things happens first. Um, but it's just a crazy situation all around. And there is potential for Sasha Banks, if she wants to stay in wrestling, this could potentially take her to the next level as far as superstar to icon. In all honesty, like this, this could be that level of a, and I, and that that's because of how high I, I think of Sasha Banks. Like I, and what she's been proven to do, like NXT didn't beat AEW except when Sasha Banks went down and wrestled Io Shirai. It's a proven fact. Rating and demo. She was the demo queen. Bump the demo God. The demo God got shut down. Like, by the demo boss. I'm sorry. That was right there. I don't know how I missed that one. It was right there. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel about that. Like, Sasha Banks is just a game changer, man. And whenever she feels like spilling the tea, if it's in a promo, she's going to rip WWE apart. And she's going to destroy them. If it's in a podcast, it's going to be... It's going to be a CM Punk talked about, or no, yes, it's going to be a John Moxley level talked about podcast. Sasha Banks is that big of a deal, man. And I, I will stand by that. Absolutely. And another thing to look out for is ratings for Raw and SmackDown. There have been a lot of people saying they're done after this. And we'll see how the female demographics. We'll see about that. Now, we'll see. But the female demographics, I want to see how that's reflected specifically for SmackDown. Because that's a really women-heavy show on Fridays. And it is driven by Sasha Banks in a lot of ways. Now, we'll see how much Ronda can carry that on her own when Sasha Banks is not there to level out that star power alongside Naomi. I'm not expecting a full-fledged boycott. But I do wonder how many female viewers who are ride-or-die Sasha fans are like, well, I'm done until further notice. I watch because I still love it. I support the people more so than the company. It's my job as well. But that is going to be telling to see how much those numbers drop in terms of female viewers on SmackDown in the weeks to come due to this indefinite suspension. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. And Hey man, don't don't let this snowball and you start hearing a we want Sasha chance in the arenas because like I'm telling you like she has that type of pool so don't keep going heavy handed and heavy fisted with this you know you disappointed us and you know you just you let down but don't keep doing that because that's gonna backfire and you're gonna have a we want Sasha raining down throughout all your women's matches and and Bianca Belair don't deserve that that's not the reparation she deserve you already took out two of my sisters don't don't be doing that to my girl Bianca too no that's not right and they just took the photo like less than two months ago with their championship so that turned fast and I just hope that the fans out there don't tag people saying why haven't you said anything we just mentioned group chat that group chat is lit right now with a lot of tea being spilled and at some point Naomi and Sasha will say something about it because you cannot let WWE control this narrative for too much longer something's up somebody knows the true tea of what happened we'll find out eventually and I'm very shocked that WWE is tripling down on this because they think they won't speak up and really say what's going on behind the scenes you think Sasha Banks has an endured shit in the last 10 years in this company you think that bad booking has led to one incident of just saying I'm done no this is an accumulation of shit that has been going on 
from her tenure on the main roster in the last seven years or so back and forth. I saw the WWE Chronicle documentary on Sasha Banks nearly three years ago when she said that she lost sight of who she was, that Sasha Banks was seeping into her everyday life and she lost Mercedes and she's not going to do that again. So be very careful in how you handle this WWE. You're wiping people off websites, signature openings, history perhaps, is not going to play too kindly to you if they know exactly how you work behind the scenes. And I got three people I got my eyes on, Bruce Pritchard, Johnny Ace, and Vince McMahon, and probably alongside Kevin Dunn. Some of y'all did something. Somebody said something out of pocket. And I want to know who, and I want to know as soon as possible, whenever the ladies are ready to say their piece, because I know something led up to this beyond what happened on Monday. You don't drop those titles like that and say you're done. You don't leave during a live show for nothing. Something happened that built up to this powder cat going off and it's laying at the feet of Vince McMahon and seeing how much he's going to triple down and how far it goes. Because I think contracts are due too for both Sasha and Naomi. And if they're due soon, they're free agents. And I would wonder to myself, would you even come back after this? Because this is scorched earth stuff when they're basically erasing you from their company. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right. So we're going to table that discussion for right now. And you would think that the top story this week, besides this situation involving Sasha Naomi, it would be Stephanie McMahon taking a leave of absence from WWE. She's going to be taking a leave of absence from the company, stepping away from her day-to-day duties as chief brand officer. And at first I thought to myself, is Triple H okay? Is Paul Levesque doing well? He's back at the office full time. So Steph has been in this company for 20 plus years as a creative writer, as a chief branding officer, basically the face of the company. And sometimes you do need to put your life into perspective in terms of wow I have been working a lot for 20 plus years my only breaks were basically when I was pregnant got married the honeymoon and my husband's health crisis and now you wonder what else they can do in terms of how can I get a break from this machine for a bit and that's okay sometimes you need a break to really understand the value of life especially what happened to Triple H last year so Scott what's your perspective on Stephanie walking away from WWE temporarily and Nick Khan assuming those day-to-day responsibilities behind the scenes well, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I think Stephanie really just, and, and rightfully so, I'm sure when she, the Triple H had his health scare, I mean, I, it really put things in perspective. Like, man, you know, time is precious, you know, and time is something that you, you can't get back. So, and, if, and Triple H is probably, you know, I, I'm back, I'm working, go spend some time at home, you know, spend some time with the kids, you know, take advantage of it. Cause I'm sure Triple H really enjoyed that time. He got to spend with his family, obviously when he got better, but just the time away and, and the break from it, you know, not having to worry about work, not having to worry about not having to worry about these reparations that these ladies are going to definitely get like stuff like that. So I, I'm, you know, I, this is, I'm all for like, the mental health breaks because I think people this this should be a mandatory thing in the company like everyone should have to take some type of vacation like a legit type of vacation though like not no and you know I still got my phone on me you can call me if anything happens that ain't no vacation because let me tell you something when I leave work I'm when I just leave work not even vacation when I clock when it you know when it's my time to leave but don't call me 
You know, don't call me because I'm not going to answer. You better leave me a voicemail and I will I will listen to the voicemail on the side of you going to get a call back when it comes to work. And I'm, I I won't even look at a voicemail on vacation. So I, I am all for this. And I, I think this should be happening not only for, you know, the, the, the people in management, the creative team. Why not bring a fresh set of eyes on a creative situation, you know, every six months, every every four months? Like, why not do something like that just to keep things fresh? I, I, this is something that multiple people have talked about. It should happen with the, the roster, the men and women. You should have like there should be a month. You should have guys and girls taking a month off here and there. You don't see somebody for a month. That's how you keep people fresh, man. That's how you just keep people engaged. You let them have that month just to recharge. You hear wrestlers talk about talk all the time. Man, I haven't had that type of time off and been able to recharge like that. And this is usually when they're injured. The only time you hear wrestlers say, man, it was nice to have that recharge. And it was, you know, I got to do this and I got to spend time with my family. And you're like, take a vacation, take a break. And I get, I get the whole thing. The mindset is, well, if I do that, I could lose my spot. You know, and I definitely get that, but you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I can definitely tell you, me not seeing a great wrestler for a month on TV and knowing he's going to come back the next week, I'm going to be way more intrigued and probably tune in and be like, I got to see what he's going to do. Then if I know he's going, hey, he'll be back next week. I can skip this week. So. I, I just I think stuff like this needs to happen and should really be implemented throughout the company, especially in a in a you know industry like this where your mental health is so important. Yes, it can be a very stressful situation. And I think that Stephanie's doing the right thing by stepping away, you know, put that automated email saying, listen, out of the office indefinitely. Right, right. Redirect all emails to Nick Connor to further notice. And I'll see y'all on the flip side. I agree with that. And we have three daughters who went through a very traumatic experience. You want to be at home maybe for the entire summer with them for the first time ever when you can really just decompress, relax, take time off and just really appreciate life for what it is. They went through something very traumatic last year with Triple H's heart situation. I'm glad he's doing well and back in the office now, but maybe it's time for Stephanie to get a break, for her to breathe a bit, for her to live her life. She's been in this corporate structure for 20 plus years. It's in her blood, but at some point you got to walk away and say, you know what? I need me time. I need family time and I'm all for that. So good for for Stephanie McMahon in that regard. There is a running joke that if Stephanie were to stay away from this position long term, then maybe you can call a certain chief brandy officer to step in and be the public face of WWE. Could Brandy Rhodes be that marketing face of WWE? Because I can only imagine Nick Khan not doing all these responsibilities full time. Well, it looks like WWE will be releasing their own version of Heels. <laughs> so look out for that coming in the next six months, everyone. All the all you uh, uh, lady WWE fans, look out for Heels coming soon. Fifty dollars uh, for your your uh, sign up fee, and you'll be good to go. Oh my god! You'll get exclusive uh, shots with Brandy episodes sent to your uh, your RSS. <laughs> To your RSS feed. <laughs> oh my God. Your RSS feed, an exclusive shot of Brandy with Brandy. You know, you never know who you're going to get each week. That is true. But considering what we've gone through this week, I don't think we can call it heels. I think this is not a, this is not a woman friendly company right now. 
it's kind of rough in yeah, these you streets. Probably, you, you probably won't get her. You better find her on YouTube. Didn't she, didn't she take her thing to YouTube? Didn't she, um, her show's on YouTube, right? It's still on YouTube. I don't know if she's producing new episodes lately, but yeah, I don't want, I don't see that collaboration happening anytime soon. We won't be know. any they heels might, here. They might give her the keys though. They might be like, well, look at, see, 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 and this is, this is the stuff that people talk about with WWE because this is something they would do. It's all, it's all about optics with these billion dollar companies. They'll be like, but look at what we did with Brandy. You, you know, we, you know, cause people are like, well, y'all, y'all call the, the women of color unprofessional. Y'all call these black women unprofessional and stuff. You didn't say that about Charlotte, but then I could see WWE be like, but look at what we did with Brandy. Look at what we've done with her. Like we joke about it, but that's the type of thing that WWE would do. Yeah, and they'll put that in a press release real quick. Look at the progress we've made. Mm-hmm. Look at that right there. Brandy Rhodes, the public face of WWE, advocating for women everywhere, except the ones that don't challenge us, you know, except those, you know, we don't advocate for those. But that's just a pipe dream. But it's possible she does have a background as being a chief branding officer. So why not at this point, WWE? But optics in this company is everything. And speaking of optics and speaking of someone else that wanted to leave WWE and he was reeled back in, Mustafa Ali and this babyface push on Monday Night Raw. I am over it. I really enjoy Mustafa Ali, but this booking is really bad in that you have Theory coming out there saying, oh, you get a match with me. But The Miz will be the special guest referee. Oh, by the way, you won't have the match with me. It'll be against Veer Mahan instead. And then you get the runaround from The Miz, not counting your pinfall attempts, getting in your way during a 10 count, and you get your ass beat and lose again. And I heard that crowd in Norfolk, Virginia, and they were crickets. They did not care because this is how you're trying to build a baby face. This is how you build sympathy. The only time they cared was when the Mysterios came back to whip Mahan's ass. That was it. There was no heat applied back to Mustafa Ali being the fighting baby face. And when you find out the reasons why he wanted to leave WWE, here are exhibits A, B, and C on full display. And if this was the offer to come back, dare I say, maybe I would go back home and let me chill for another two years if this is the best WWE can do. Because this is not good heat to me. It's just simply boredom and just lazy booking at this point coming from a company that should know better at this point. You know, Keila, I, I actually disagree with you on this one. I really, I liked what they did with Veer. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm more... I was more focused on Veer throughout this entire thing because I think this is what you should be doing with Veer. Like I, I'm all for the squash match and I and I appreciate those and I I want more of those. But for him to get a couple wins over names, I I like this because this also protects Mustafa Ali. Who the more I'm watching this, I'm fully expecting him to not only beat the Miz, but I think he's going to be the one to eventually take the title off of Theory. But I, I like what they did with Veer, though. And I think this is a good use of Veer. I think Veer would fit with the Miz. Like, I, you know, as far as kind of being a heavy that Miz kind of talks for, like, let's keep the Miz out of the ring for a little bit. Why isn't why isn't uh, Rene Dupree's cousin Max talking about Veer? Like, why, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Veer is the type of guy that you want. Have you seen this dude on tw- on Instagram, Instagram and Twitter? That's a good-looking and suave dude. Like, when he pulls his hair back and throws the shades on and pops the collar, it's a wrap. That's a... But I, I, I like what they did with Veer. So, I, 
I don't hate this as much because I I do think Mustafa Ali is at least going to get the pin on The Miz. And I, I do expect him to beat Theory, but that could be me giving WWE too much credit as well. You're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> too much credit. Listen, I'm all about Vera Mahan's push because that Instagram game is everything. And I just wish... I just wish they would allow that Vera Mahan to translate on this show because this foreign 1980s heel gimmick isn't working for me. It's not who he is. He is this playboy on Instagram looking clean at all times with luxurious hair. And he lets you know every Tuesday morning with the snapshot, I look good, don't I? I'm like, yes, you do, sir. Yes, you do. Between him and Sangha, who were a tag team at one point, those two dudes are cool as hell. They're suave. There's something about them that stands out. And they always try to book the giants in these stereotypical ways, which I don't like very much. Let Veer be this cool badass. He's got it. And we see it via pictures on the gram and Twitter, but we don't see it on Monday Night Raw, which is a shame. But to go back to Ali briefly, this would work, but you're beating the fans' confidence in the crowd. They don't have a reason to care. And when you keep changing things on the fly to get heat, it just leads to this disconnection with your fan base that would want to care, but they can't care right now. We saw Ali beat Ali beat The Miz a few weeks ago. And of course, the end game should be him beating Austin Theory for the championship. Will they go there? I don't know. I can't trust this company right now because it's so left and right. We don't even know why Ciampa went after Ali still. We don't even have an answer to that. So if you're trying to do two things at one time, Ali should be dealing with Ciampa first and foremost. That would be the better matches, minus the Miz being a referee interfering all the time. Then you get to theory that's how you build up from show to show to really make all of this make sense the chompa thing throws me off because you have him beating up somebody and we don't know why not via interviews hell not even during raw talk we don't know and ali's not saying anything either so it's just a mess of storytelling and you got all of these moving parts and none of them fit together right now yeah, it, it, I, I, th- I think the, the Champa thing, I think they were just looking for a way to debut him, but now he's, you know, it's like, now what are you doing with him? Um, the, the Ali that, I said this maybe two weeks ago, you know, I told everyone, don't get your hopes up when it comes to this, because this is all a way just to get the Miz a few wins. Um, and the next week, Ali ended up hitting him. So who obviously I have no clue what I'm talking about with WWE because they don't listen. Like, look at what they're, they're doing. Everything like just backwards. Like they, I, I don't know when I said this as well, they book things backwards. Like they, they, they have the match and then book from the match instead of booking to the match. So, you know, and Keela, you're probably right. I, I am probably giving them way too much credit because they're not going to give the title to Ali. He's going to get the big match but he's going to come up short and Austin Theory is going to get the big win. I do want to touch on one more thing about Veer Mahan before we move on. Um, I think there's a way to incorporate this beast, you know, this kind of beast gimmick that they have right now and his suave. Like he can be the suave guy when he's doing backstage. Like, Like that's how we should be getting to know him. You know, as that suave guy, as this good looking dude, as this Instagram type guy that likes to make sure his stuff's on point, has that dress game on point. Like we need to introduce. And then he and he can just simply say in his promo. But when it comes to the ring, I can't be this guy. 
You know, I, I can't be this suave guy who's concerned about, you know, making sure I look the best or making sure my shirt fits the way it's supposed to. I can't be that guy. I got to turn into the monster. And I mean, just like that, one promo you cut just like that, it's right there. And, and you have everything you need. Now you can have, now you have character growth. Now you have a character built up. Now you have somebody who can come to the ring and cut promos and it won't be like, oh my God, what's this monster going to say? You know, stuff is, is very simple if you just break it down and, and just do the basics. You know, sometimes the basics are the best things to do. And that's all you got to do with him is just one simple promo. Hey, I can't be this guy. I got to unleash the beast in the ring. Bam. And they can't even do that because they know one way to tell a story. Foreign heel, he must mean mug like it's 1985. And you got a guy that has charisma behind the scenes and you don't show it. And that's disappointing to me because there's better ways to tell that story in 2022 versus 1982. But I digress as we move on to Lacey Evans, who is not a heel this week. She is a babyface, And I just gave her the side eye throughout her entire promo. And I know she was being very respectful to the military because she's a vet. And I respect her for that. But I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Maybe WWE realized, hey, five weeks of very sombering, harrowing stories is maybe a bit too much for our fans to boo her right now. But maybe it's too little too late to put that genie back in the bottle. I would hope they change their minds and reconsider. I don't know yet. But I just feel like this entire presentation of Lacey Evans is very mechanical in nature. She says these things saying, I'm no better than anybody else in the back. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a Marine. It's like, it's so practiced and rehearsed that I still don't know who the real Lacey Evans is, which is crazy for me to say via all those promos and vignettes the last five or six weeks. But when you regurgitate WWE speak, I'm losing sight of who you are. And it's confusing to me. I know there's a depth to Lacey there. I've seen it in interviews. Outside of WWE and on Up, Up, Down, Down, crazily enough. But this presentation to me leaves a lot to be desired because it's too much WWE. It's not enough Lacey Evans. It's not enough of the person beyond what she's trying to project on screen. And that's my issue with this presentation thus far. I said a few weeks ago um, that I thought when watching some of these uh, vignettes and these uh, backstage interviews that she was doing that I thought she had top tier babyface potential. I thought they were really good. I thought the stories connected and she was it, it seemed genuine and real. I heard her cut these same kind of promos and was even doing the, you know, the shout out to the military and stuff like, she, you know, because she is a vet, like you said. And uh, I'm here to tell you I was wrong. I was 100 percent wrong. She has no type of babyface promo connectability. There's like the only thing that was connecting her to the people was the respect that they have for the armed services. She is so much better cutting promos as a heel. Like, I never thought I would miss the Southern Bell, but God dang, give me the Southern Bell over over the Army vet because I don't want to hear her talk. Like, I, she's she's Ronda-level bad. For me, I, I thought that was Ronda Rousey-level bad promo 
people just it was just a respectable promo because she was talking about the armed forces. I thought it was a really, really bad promo rough in front of a live audience and it was like the same talking points over and over again and there was no variety whatsoever and at this point turn a heel why not she's better as a heel she shines in that role and there was a moment when she was a fighting mama for her daughter a couple of years ago fighting off against bailey and sasha banks that was her best work and i think she had a good match against serena deville during the early days of the pandemic as well that was lacy at her best but when you try to repackage her and the story's real but they put that wwe stink on it that you have to just look at it and like you have to just mark it everything you've got to catch phrase everything and it's infuriating and unfortunately for Lacey she can't pull it off on the mic as a baby face that was a rough promo she had to shut out the military to get a pop at 10 30 at night and that is not an easy thing to do when you're trying to compensate for the third hour of death known as Monday Night Raw most weeks yeah I you know I <sighs> Who is she going to feud with? Like, like, what is who? Who is she going to be working with going forward? Because out do drop Nikki Car- Nikki Ash. It can't. Be, it's not going to be Rhea Ripley. So those two are are in contention. You got Carmella and Zelina Vega. What like who is she going to be working with? And because like, she she wasn't the smoothest of workers. She definitely needed somebody to kind of walk her through. I don't want to see her with Becky Lynch. I certainly don't want to see her anywhere near Bianca Belair or Asuka. I, what's the plan? Like, what's the game plan here? And why is she on Raw? When, when SmackDown is clearly the roster that needs people. Like, clearly, that's the brand that needs women right now. Raw has Becky, Bianca... Rhea Ripley, Dewdrop, like that's a solid just four right there. And I know we, we keep talking about Dewdrop and people are like, no, she's not even relevant, but she can be very quickly be made relevant. Let me tell you that. But like that's solid right there. As Lena Vega is a nice heel that you can have baby faces beat. That's solid. Like SmackDown, who are you working with? Why is she over there? Like, the decisions that are being made just don't make sense. Like Babyface or heel, SmackDown is where women are needed. Raquel's doing great, but what else are you doing over there? And y'all fired Dakota Kai. What? Like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, I, they make so much money and they continue to have these record profits. And it's, it's like, how do you tell someone they're doing wrong when they're having the most successful, you know, you know, returns ever. And it's, it's such an oxymoron, but it's like, what do you do in that situation? You're doing so, you're making terrible decisions and you're making so much money. It, it, It just doesn't make sense. It is the epitome of being dummy proof. They are dumb rich for a very long time and they can make these dumb ass decisions. And now that you suspend Naomi and Sasha, well, look at the SmackDown Women's Division. You've got Aaliyah, Shotzi, Rhonda, Raquel, Zia Lee, who was supposed to be a hill and she's disappeared off television again. Talk about that presentation for the last six months, which is equally as infuriating. And you wonder why Sasha and Naomi said bye. This is why. Shotzi won't be there long. I'm I I'm I'm calling and I don't think Shotzi will be there long. Zia Lee, I don't know who 
I don't know who said it, but somebody in Fight Game brought it up, and they mentioned how the the, the representation of of uh, Asian women has just been terrible in WWE, and I like. How can I argue that? What like what are you doing with Zia Lee, man? Like you had this cool entrance. People were genuinely excited about it. She was supposed to be this protector. You had something there. She protects and then she leaves. She protected one person. <laughs> she did her job and she was like, "Well, I filled my quota. Let me get out of here." So then she got fired from her her job there and came back and was like, "Well, since I'm not getting paid to protect, I'm only protecting myself." And came back as the bad guy. And then you're like, well, we can't have her beating people up, so we'll just take her off. Like, what is going on? (laughs) What is going on behind the scenes, man? This stuff is, it's, this is, usually we're not this, like, we don't have this much to complain about. Like, but this is, this show is just really, like, us just, like, letting them have it because it's the decision making is baffling right now. It's just baffling. It is. And that's why we are in support of people walking out. This is exhibit A through many exhibits as to why you would walk out on mess like this because of inconsistent booking like this, because of Lacey Evans being a baby face when I in a, in a, in a perfect world, she should be a hill minus a backstory that you tried to give her as a baby face. It's confusing. And we've read this roster enough rightfully so and it's no fault of the talent it's management it's an old 76 year old man and yes people saying it's all good when it's not and they're dummy proof financially and they think they can get away with it and we'll see how far it goes but these are prime examples as to why someone would say enough is enough you can take these belts and shove it because look at what you're doing on Raw and SmackDown. Look at what you're doing with these divisions. Not very much. As we transition to a little bit of NXT talk and Diamond Mine. And I thought once again, the Creed Brothers versus the Viking Raiders had a very good tag team match. I will encourage Brutus to never do that cannonball again because he landed on his ass very hard. There is not enough cushion there. There were not five people catching you. That at- boy bounced too. <laughs> Hey, when, when, when he came down, that boy bounced up in the air like he hit a trampoline or something. I said, oh, my God, that boy got a badonka donk to be bouncing like that. They're like, you know what I'm saying? You got to have something back there to hit and bounce like that. <laughs> One, to not break your tailbone and two, to get that type of air on the bounce. I know he bounced back up, which was remarkable to me. <laughs> so that cushion was very strong for him, but that landing was very bad despite the cushion because he did not have five people catching him like he had at send and deliver back in April. Great visual, but that landing despite the cushion was very tough to see. And I got to say the Creed brothers are built very well. They have the cushion to support all the stuff they need to protect on themselves. Okay. I'm just letting you know. For a fact. I'm glad that you checked out the optics for me. <laughs> Just f- listen, listen, Julius ain't got to come out there straps down first. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to do that. <laughs> so he needs, so he needs to do it backwards. He needs to come out with the straps down. And then when he gets fired up, put the straps on. Is there that what you're saying? Like he comes out there, straps down, then he puts the straps up like, sir, that's not how it works. You fire up straps down before you put them back. Like he knows what he's doing. He's flexing. He knows because he knows what time horny hours start on this show. And he knows exactly sure. what he's doing. And I appreciate that. But for future reference, straps down only when you're getting the heat, sir. Not when you're coming out there 
I know what you're doing. Stop it, Julius. Stop it. But anywho. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hey, it is about what are we? Yeah, we're more than halfway through our show, so that means it's horny hours here on the rap too. You know what happens when you hit that first hour? <laughs> Broker. <laughs> hey, that that is purely payback for the, the Golden State comments, the LeBron slander, that whole first ten minutes of the show. Okay, so when I snort on the air, that means I've been gotten to, and I will accept that. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get back on track, because we have a, we've reached that point in the show when things do jump off the tracks a bit. But, Roger Strong, and new member, Damon Kemp, who is, by the way, Gable Steveson's brother, but we can't say that on TV. They try to help the Creed brothers win this match against the Viking Raiders, and it backfires when the Viking Raiders pin Julius Creed with a double powerbomb spot. I really enjoyed the match, and it's going to lead to Diamond Mines, Roderick Strong, and Damon Kemp versus the Viking Raiders. I take that back. They will be facing Pretty Deadly this Tuesday in a non-title match, which will build to Pretty Deadly versus the Viking, not the Viking Raiders. I get these teams confused. They'll be facing the Creed brothers at In Your House going down on June 4th, which will be a very interesting recording day for this show. We might be double dipping a bit. We'll see about that, depending how the show plays out. But I do love this inner friction between Diamond Mine. You got the Creed brothers wanting to win matches fair and square, and you got Roddy willing to cheat any which way. I will say that even though I love this dissension, and I know that the end game will be Roddy turning on the Creed brothers eventually. I don't know what role Ivy now will have in the split. But let it be known that I miss Malcolm Bivens because he would be the guy to push this breakup over the top. Roddy's doing fine, but Biv would be the perfect instigator for all of this. But we don't have that right now. And it's Roddy basically playing out this contract because he's stuck in NXT 2.0 hell until his contract expires whenever. Really good match. Um, I, 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 The Creed brothers, man, they've... That's one thing they have done a really good job with is the growth of the and the the work of the Creed brothers has gotten a lot better and that they're bringing tag teams down to work with them which is just all smart things and the Viking Raiders uh, you want to talk about man the one thing I do enjoy about 2.0 I know this is a side tangent but I love the way they treat the main roster people and how they make those matches just feel like a bigger deal. If this match happened on Raw, nobody would care. But it happens on 2.0 and people are losing their minds. I mean, they were really into this match. And it's definitely a credit to the Creed brothers as well because they are, I think they might be... The, I think they might be the like the heart and soul of that 2.0 right now. Like I think that they might be the favorite act of that crowd. And Roddy is doing some he's doing some really good work and I feel like he's a little bit more energized now. Like I I don't feel like he's going through the motions a little bit. And I'm with you, man. Malcolm Bivens would be fantastic in this split up and I would be curious to know you know where he falls. Is he sticking with his guys, the Creed brothers, who he's been, you know, who has been his ride or die? Or does he go with Roddy, who was kind of his prize fighter at the beginning of this, you know, who got him his first taste of gold when Roddy won the, um, the cruiserweight title. So like there would have been a lot there. So now I'm curious to see what they do with Roddy. Are they going to have him um, and Damon, you know, team up against the Creed brothers, which seems like kind of the match they go with. But then what do you do after that? What do you do with Kemp after that? Does he 
you know, do they lose the match? And then he goes after Roddy and then he joins back up with them, but they still need a mouthpiece. Do the Creed brothers just say, hey, you know, we're not diamond. Is this the end of diamond mine? Like that's, that's what I think is kind of where we're going. I think this is going to be the end of diamond mine and everybody goes their separate ways. I'm worried about Ivy Niles. You know, she's somebody who I think is a great ensemble piece. You know, to me, she's like a B-Fab and Hit Row. A great ensemble piece, especially right now when she's learning and she's still, you know, working on her craft. She's got a fantastic look. She looks like she'd snap you in half. And that's what you want in that group. And I think her with the Creed Brothers is just such a great aesthetic. You know, it looks so good. I hope that stays together. But I, I think this is the end of Diamond Mine, period. And that makes me a little sad, but let's be honest. This lineup has undergone more changes in Destiny's Child in the last year and a half. <laughs> great. That's that's a great little reference right there. Had so, story in I, the memory bank. Which version are we on now? Is this is this the four <laughs> four person? Are we at the three? Or is this the three person group right now? Which what, what are we working on right now? Well, the first version we got with of Latoya and Latavia. That was like Tyler Rust and... Um, oh, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Hatchy Man, unfortunately. Then we remixed it with Michelle and Farah. Then we got rid of Farah. I'm not going to call Biv Farah. That's mean. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I was waiting to see who you was going to call Biv. That was, I was waiting to see. <laughs> I'm going to say he's Latoya. I'm, I'm going to be nice because I ain't calling him Farrah. That's rude. So now we hey. just down to, and now Damon Kemp's Michelle. So that's where we are right now. Dang. So you said so you got, you got Damon above Bivens? Because <laughs> Kelly is head and shoulders above Michelle. Well, Kelly right now is like Roddy at this point. I'm, okay, I'm going to say the Creed brothers are Beyonce. Oh, for sure. Oh, for okay. sure. Yes. So that's where we are right now with the remix Diamond Mind times three. I'm so sorry, Biv. You're not Farah. I swear you're not. Because, no. Jeremy, that might be your clip for YouTube. Us talking about Beyonce and Destiny's Child and Diamond Mind. <laughs> say my name. Say my name. Just saying. The worst part is it's going to be, there's probably a good group of people listening that are like who's destiny's child youtube children youtube is your friend you will be listen the writings on the wall you better treat that as as if it's the bible listen to that get those words in there understand thou shall not do any of those things on that album if you're a guy thou shall not be a bugaboo let it be known Oh snap! Yeah, those were you got you got when you was getting cl- like if there was a group of girls that were like clowning you or clowning somebody, there would always be like some Destiny Child playing in the background, and they'd be like, "That boy ain't nothing." Let me tell you about oh boy, man. Let me tell you that I done been to a few roasts, and there was always some Destiny Child playing in the background. Okay, don't let me start reciting some songs now, cause I'll go there. <laughs> cause you know that album back in '99 was a classic. And if y'all don't know that, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, get your life on Destiny's Child. I'm just saying. You never know what you're going to get on the rap. We could be talking about Cheddar Biscuits. We could be talking about Destiny's Child. You know, who knows what you're going to get. Yes. And we could give you more, which we'll get to very soon with a certain somebody. But before we get to that, let's focus on the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. We're down to the final four. It's Nikita Lyons on one side 
and we got Fallon Henley on the other. And representing the right side of the bracket is Lash Legend versus Roxanne Perez. And in a perfect world, I would give this entire tournament to the best person in this thing, which is Roxy. But she won't win because I think we're building to Lash Legend versus Nikita Lions 3. I am both excited and afraid for this potential matchup because when they're going at it back and forth, slugging it out, it's great. Running the ropes, God help us. But let's see where they go, Scott, regarding the finals of this tournament, which will play out at In Your House most likely. Yeah, you know, I the person I've been really impressed with um, so far, I, I really like Fallon Henley. Like, I think she's done a really good job in her little bit of time. I think she's kind of established herself pretty well. So I hope she's someone that gets some decent screen time going forward. I agree with you. It should go to the best person. But, I, you know, I, Roxy doesn't need it. Like, I, I think she's the type that you can put in a match with, like, with an Io Shirai, for example, whenever, you know, because she's right there, not doing anything. But she's someone you could put in there with her for a 10 minute match or Natalia since she's down there and she'll get over. You know, people back, like, oh, okay, she's really good. Oh, she's got something. Oh, I'm, I'm, I want, I'm with her. Like, she's somebody you can do that with. Nikita Lyons, yeah, but. I think Lash Legend is going to end up winning this whole tournament. I, you know, the Keita Lions won the first matchup they had. I think Lash Legend gets the big victory back here as the big heel, and then the Keita Lions will eventually get the rubber match win. I would have, pers- me personally, I would have liked it to be a Roxanne or a Roxy versus Lash Legend final. I think that would have been a good way to really get Roxy over, and you could have got Lash Legend over as this monster. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna get the the two uh, the two hoss women of the of who's left. You know, the two powerhouses, and it, it's gonna it's absolutely gonna happen after nine o'clock. And we already know <laughs> what Twitter is going to be talking about whenever that, and we know how that match is going to be advertised. Like, like we just, we just know what's going to happen with that match. That match is a literal thirst trap. That is NXT 2.0's thirst trap. So I, th- we, that's just, just, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. And I cannot believe that USA Network or WWE fired my voiceover guy as close as it gets we need him for that when it's Akita Lions backstage and they zoom in right before, because you know what it's going to be. They're going to zoom in on certain areas right before that matchup. And I'm here for the trilogy. I like when they're fighting, when they're running the ropes, it's a problem. But I will say this for Lash Legend. She looks great as an yeah, elevated she- sporty spice. I love it. I think she's got a great look. And I, I think she, like some of them, like, she moves really well. I, I'm with you on the running the ropes part. I think it must just be the hitting the ropes and bouncing off. But when she's just moving in the ring, I mean, she's an athlete. You know what I mean? Like, she is a legit athlete. She was in the WNBA. She's not just some random woman that they pulled off the street. So, I like, she's one of those that, you know, you, you, you keep past the six months because she's going to keep getting better. And that's that, that's that athlete mindset. Like those are the type of people you keep. That's why the Creed brothers are working out so well. They have that athlete's mindset where they're just going to continue to work, continue to grind as an athlete would perfecting their craft. Cause you want to keep getting better. Even if you're, you know, you want to keep advancing in your craft. So she's somebody that I think is, I think in a year, she's going to be like, I think she's going to really find herself, especially in the ring. Cause she's like I said, she's an athlete and she has that athlete's mindset. 
Exactly. And I hope that when they resume the coconut loop, thank God, next month, we've been clamoring for that for so long, that she gets those reps because you cannot learn how to be a wrestler by doing 20 matches a year. You need 50 or 60 matches under your belt. And the more she works, the more she'll get better. And then we'll say, damn, she had it. I always said she did. It's about being Russia TV a bit too soon. I still believe that, but you do see a little bit of improvement along the way. She's got the look. She's got the ability to really be over as a star someday, but those reps have got to be caught up to preferably on the road starting next month. And once she captures what it means to run the ropes effectively, she will have it. And I just hope that WWE affords her the opportunity to continue to perfect her craft on the road and on TV moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and Nikita Lyons, too. Like, I think she, the, all these reps are going to be really good for these. I think that's when they get on the road, you talk about that loop. I think that's really when we're going to see the improvement on a lot of different people. Even somebody like a Mandy Rose, like this will do wonders for somebody like her. You know, just to be able to continuously have matches and continuously lead matches. Like this is, this is, the, the loop is going to do wonders for 2.0. Agreed. And it's a way for them to work in front of different crowds and try different stuff and find out who you are as Great a performer. Point. Because you're in an echo chamber every Tuesday night. They're going to give you the same reactions every Tuesday. Even though you're still in Florida, you're going to get a different vibe from different people. And you get to figure out who you are as a performer to see if that charisma translates back to TV. That will give you more confidence as a performer. And I hope that's the case once they resume the coconut loop next month. Now, it's now time to talk about somebody I really don't like very much and is Joe Gacy and for a while I thought that his character had jumped the shark but even the shark at this point says nah I ain't feeling him either I don't even want to be in the water with this dude because this past Tuesday Joe Gacy became an entire ham spam sandwich he became every cartoon villain that is an insult to cartoon villains he told bond breaker in the most cartoony way possible i kidnapped your father i burned your hall of fame ring i kidnapped you and left you in the wilderness now i want a shot at your nxt championship and can you imagine all the things i've done to you and how you want to beat my ass but if you lose your temper, then that means you can lose your championship via disqualification and I'll win. And I'm like, dude, no, this is just bad acting by you to run through your list of crimes and say, well, if I push you too far, I still get the championship. And then the closing fucking promo on this show, I guess he was at his apartment somewhere in Florida on the roof of the Druids. And he talks about how when he wins the NXT championship, he'll not only run NXT, but he'll take over the world. And all I thought about was fucking Pinky and the Brain. I was like, just what? about to say that. <laughs> I was <laughs> just about to say that. <laughs> like, wait a minute. You said with a straight face that by winning the NXT championship, you are going to take over the world. The brain would have your brain for saying something outlandish and blasphemous and blasphemous. And I can't even say it blasphemous like that. My God, 
that promo, that last promo he cut outside took me out with the drone shot. When he said he was going to take over the world, I was done. Mr. Claw from Inspector Gadget is offended by this. All of these superhero villains from back in the day, cartoons, comic books, movies, they are offended by Joe Gacy. I am offended by Joe Gacy. This is just really bad television. After school special shit, that is an embarrassment to me as a fan. I cannot take it anymore. So Scott, please help me understand why Joe Gacy gets another shot at the NXT Championship after losing cleanly to Bond Breaker a couple of weeks ago at Spring Breakin. No, I'm not going to help you understand why, because um, I, I I don't understand why. So I, I definitely can't help you. Um, yeah, I you know this is this is kind of where I miss Harlan because I think if they would have had a scene, if they would have did that same scene, and Harlan said, "What are we going to do tomorrow?" and then Joe Gacy would have said the same thing we do every day, Harlan try to take over the world I would have popped I, I would have been all for that that would have got a kick out of me but no they didn't want to do that they didn't want to they didn't want to just go all I mean if you're going to do it if you're going to just be the cartoon villain just be the cartoon like literally just make it a cartoon at that point like literally just turn NXT 2.0 into a cartoon and kind of have someone just draw the images at that point because that's how ridiculous this Joe Gacy thing is I don't want to waste too much of my breath on this I will say this this reminds me of the Randy Orton Triple H build from WrestleMania 25 which had one of the best builds of all time one of my favorite moments when Randy Orton has Triple H handcuffed in the corner he DDTs Stephanie um and then gives her a kiss right on the, I mean, a solid kiss on the lips uh, right in front of Triple H before he smashes him in the face with a sledgehammer. Um, it's got the over the top, you know, silliness of Triple H invading Orton's house and throwing him through the window. Like, this is a really fun build after Orton wins the Rumble and they do the incredibly stupid thing of you can't get DQ'd because he has Triple H quote unquote so mad that he looks like he's about to take a dump or something when he makes that you know when he does that grunt face he does like these these stipulations don't work I've never found one of these stipulations to be good. This was like the CM Punk. uh, I think it was CM Punk and Chris Jericho. I think they had a stipulation like this. Like these don't work. (laughs) It's it's, this, this entire thing's stupid. Joe Gacy, you know, I, I give him credit for trying. I think he would be fine as a side player, but as the main course, I'm not really feeling this meal. And, you know, Braun Breaker, how they massacred my boy. What are we doing to him, man? Like, I'm done. I'm done. I I don't want to talk about 2.0 anymore. I'm pissed off. Now I, I'm back to how I was feeling in the first 10 minutes again. I'm sorry. And thanks a lot. Me, thanks a lot, Keila. And a part of me is not sorry about that because those first two minutes are beautiful for me. <laughs> but <laughs> but I look at Braun Breaker and like I feel for this man because six months ago you were on top of the world. You were over with this crowd and they are not feeling you right now and it's by association with this feud which is not helping joe gacy is a feud sucker it's a fact and these fans are not rocking with braun breaker and i feel bad for him and i cannot wait until the draft when he can move on to raw smackdown where he'll be appreciated because he's trying to carry a whole lot of water right now with the dude we hope that we hope god please you never know because we've basically anointed this guy as the next top tier baby face in wwe possibly having a premier spot at next year's wrestlemania with this company you don't know 
because look at what they're doing right now with him and Joe Gacy. This is bad television. Joe Gacy has been around for eight months and not for a solitary second have I felt anything for him besides absolute indifference. Him and Von Wagner are neck and neck in terms of guys I can't stand on this show. And I hate Joe Gacy more so than Von Wagner. Where would that energy would have been six months ago? That's how bad we are. And Vaughn, eight months later, still has a blank look on his face, a blank fucking slate of emotionlessness. And Joe Gacy offers something, but it's ham and cheese and spam. And it's bad. I, I don't mind a ham and cheese sandwich. I don't think that's the worst thing he could be offering. I doesn't sound that bad. Now the spam part, that's disgusting. But the ham and cheese, that's not bad. All that, I can I can provide the bread if he's got the ham and cheese. It's fine. I need a meal while I'm at the ta- at the tapings. You know, there's level up beforehand, so you know I'm gonna be a little hungry. I'm cool with that. I know, now I know to bring the bread, but the spam, he can keep that nonsense. What about give homemade? It to, give it to the druids. <laughs> who I still think are like grizzly young veterans. I saw the ticket to mayhem. I know who they are. They can't fool me. That's who I think they are. It's them. This is, this is Robert Stone. He's making, he's getting his guys employed. It's them. And it's Von Wagner. You're going to notice height differences week to week. We got to start keeping track of how tall these people are. That's true. But the bigger question is when you have your sandwich at the tapings, will they be homemade cheddar biscuits? That's what I'm wondering to myself. Homemade cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. So we were getting those when Michael Bivens was there, but you know, we ain't got, we ain't got, ain't nobody else bringing no cheddar. You know, ain't nobody else on that 2.0 roster bringing no cheddar. Oh, actually, I need to talk to Mello and Trick. They might have the cheddar. <laughs> they might have the cheddar biscuits for your boy. They might have the cheddar biscuits for, and LA, LA Knight might have had them, but I can definitely tell you, uh, Max Dupree does not. <laughs> but LA Knight might have had them. I agree. Now, one more question. So you have the cheddar biscuits and the ham and cheese sandwich. Do you put syrup on it? On, on what? <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on what? On the cheddar biscuit or on the ham and cheese sandwich? Because both of those sound disgusting. <laughs> That's how bad this is with Joe Casey. This cannot be a delicious meal. This must be disgusting. Mrs. Buttersworth must be all over this thing here. Oh man! Oh, that's that's that would man. Let me tell you something. If somebody came and put syrup on my cheddar biscuits, I would I would literally fight them and then make them eat that cheddar biscuit they put the syrup on. And it would be better than any Joe Gacy promo I've ever heard. Facts. Seriously, that's fear factor meal to me. But I'm gonna let that go. As we transition to SmackDown, a far better show than NXT 2.0, which wasn't bad this week, in all honesty. No, it wasn't. But it was fine. It was a step up. Especially compared to the, yeah, I was going to say, that's what I was going to say, especially compared to the last few weeks. Because we protested the show almost a couple of times. So this is progress. We were on the edge here, pushing the brink of cancellation of this discussion of NXT. But we saved it due to the show getting better in the last few weeks. But speaking of shows getting better, let's talk about SmackDown and the main event specifically. As we finally had the tag team unification match between the Usos versus RK-Bro for the unified tag team titles. And WWE delivered. There was no bullshit. There was no chicane besides the cheating at the end which is fair game by the bloodline but I have to start from the very beginning of this show as Paul Heyman hyped up this match as being the most important tag team championship match in WWE history that Roman has smashed all the legends past and present he can smash Bruno Sabatino Hulk Hogan John Cena The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin and now the Usos has a chance to surpass their family 
Alpha and Sika to become the best tag team in WWE history. And Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns Corleone says, Usos, cousins, you know what I want. You know what you got to do. And the reason why I'm so hard on you is because I love you. And he pulls him in for a hug. And Roman looks at the camera just smiling. You gaslighting bastard. He is so great at being the master manipulator in all of this. So I love the opening of SmackDown, which leads to our main event. The matchup was very good. Riddle was a babyface in peril for a lot of it until Randy Orton gets that hot tag. He kicks ass accordingly against Jimmy Uso. His to RKO, which is broken up by Jey Uso, and that leads to Riddle and Jay being the legal men in the ring at one point. Riddle's going for that super RKO on Jey Uso. And Paul Heyman, who was on guest commentary, removes himself, is at ringside, distracting the referee long enough for Roman Reigns to appear on the scene to knock Riddle off the ropes. Roman takes a shot against the barricade, and Jay hits a frog splash on Riddle to become the unified tag team champions. It's a moment. It actually happened. The belts are now unified in WWE. We got the world championship belts combined. The tag team titles combined. But the highlight was the post-match when the bloodline absolutely destroyed RK-Bro to the point that children were crying. Little boys crying and weeping at this ass whooping. And I laughed. I laughed at their t- I laughed at their tears. I hollered. I got my life. I greatly enjoyed this chaos and destruction by the bloodline. Michael Cole almost saying holy shit when Jay delivered that splash to riddle through the announce table and Roman having guillotines for all for RK Bro. This was by far one of the best heat seeking segments involving the bloodline ever. And they've been at this for nearly two years. I thought this was a great final segment. The main event was very good, but the aftermath of those fans legit feeling some kind of way about RK bro getting beat down was everything. A little boy crying made my night like, daddy, what are they doing to them? It was fantastic. And I want WWE to play that montage over and over and over again. Those little kids crying at Riddle and Randy getting their asses kicked. That was artful. This was this was really good, and I I thought the build to it throughout the show uh, really added a lot to it. This felt like a big time matchup. This had this is one of the few times when Michael Cole could use the term "big fight feel." You know, it's a way overused in WWE. They, you know, they think every match is a big fight feel, but this this had some some weight to it like you could the crowd was excited about it and i again i really like how they built this throughout the show tag team wrestling they they built up a tag team wrestling match throughout the show and that you know kudos to wwe man they had me excited about it by the end of the night and i was ready for this match i thought the match was really 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 good and I think it ended right before it got to being a great match. Like, I felt like this could have used another five minutes of a, and a couple more big near falls. And you would have had a great match. I think we were that clear. And, and, that, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't bad. It was a really, really good match. Orton, again, best hot tag in the business. They let Orton essentially hit his five moves of doom and even went straight into the RKO. And the crowd was I mean, that was only like nine minutes into the match and the crowd was fully behind it and bought that pinfall attempt. Um, 
So that just goes to show you not only how over Randy Orton is, but just the gravity of this match. Riddle, I couldn't tell if it was legit or if he was selling as far as the hip injury because every time he got hit, you know, he was selling the hell out of that. So that was fantastic. Um, I loved, loved the finish because uh, I love the finish because it's a callback and it's a play on how RK Bro has been winning some of their matches. We've seen, we just saw Riddle do this to Montez Ford, either, uh, I think it was last week, when he caught him at the top rope and came down with the RKO for the win. This, this to me, because Roman being the top guy, this feels like this feels like the sports part. This feels like the scouting report. This feels like Roman knowing, or even Paul Hayward, somebody just knowing the scouting report. Hey, when I go up top, just keep an eye out because that's where Riddle goes. You know, Riddle likes to come up there and hit that big move. Like this felt like the sports part where you know the scouting reports. You know what your opponents like to do. You know the tendencies that they like to have and you were ready for it. Riddle didn't see him holding the leg. Like just a beautiful finish right there. And I... That should have been the finish. I would have had, I would have saved that for about five minutes down. I would have had a splash with a kick out. Then you can have Riddle have hit, hit his finisher, kick Like you could have really added another five, 10 minutes of just a few near falls, a few big spots. Like, give me the Usos double splash from the top. Give me the, the super kick party. Like, there absolutely should have been a super kick party at some point in this match by the Usos, and they should have just went ham and just. Build to that. Let the crowd, like, give me a little bit more. Build the anticipation a little bit more to the point where they're like, oh my God, RK Bro is going to do it. Like, if you have them kick out of all of the Usos' big moves, the frog splash, uh, the 1D, the double frog splash, the crowd's going to be like, okay, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And, and then when you do that finish, not, I mean, the heat they had, like you said, that was incredible. Just think about if you add another five minutes and you give and you give Orton and Riddle literally everything else. I just, again, that's me nitpicking a really, really good match that I think could have been great to one of the best tag team matches we get this year in WWE. I think it was heading to be that good. The aftermatch, I mean, whenever they do lose those titles to whoever it is, the roof is going to explode. The roof is going to explode. And, you know, I, I do have a question for you, Kilo, because it's this has to be the next, you know, the next question. Who does take those tag titles off of the Usos? Man, I would say the Street Profits should be the team to take them off the Usos. That's I was thinking them, you know, the New Day is, you know, they have a lot of history there, but we've seen that a lot. But the Street Profits, that's, that's that's a team right there who could use the elevation. If RK Bro would have won, I 100% would have thought that Judgment Day would be your next um, unified tag champs. But with the heel winning, I don't see them going after him. But Street Profits is a good choice. The crowd would 100. I mean, you got to think Montez Ford is going to try to touch the ceiling when he does his frog splash on that one. That would be a moment. And I'm still kind of mad they broke up Imperium because I still see value in Imperium versus the Bloodline, but WWE doesn't. 
that would have been great as well. But I completely agree with your constructive criticism regarding the main event. They needed more time. And when you hype a main event of this caliber, they need 40 minutes of TV time to really cook. I go back to Roman Reigns' title defenses on TV last year against Daniel Bryan in specific. They had 40 minutes of television time to work with. You had the real estate to do what you needed to do to maximize those minutes. A 40-minute tag team match of this magnitude would have fit on this show. You're competing against a big-time game, Warriors and Mavericks, on TNT. This match drew a pretty good number for Fox. It would have been bigger if you gave this match more time to build organically, to give us more of those moments between the Usos and RK Bro, more super kicks, more of Orton whooping ass accordingly, and the heat that the bloodline would have gotten for winning and cheating the way that they did to win those belts, and the heat would have been even more than what they got. So I just think that when you build up a match of this magnitude, give them the last 40 minutes. I would have chopped Butch versus Xavier Woods. You've seen the match three times on TV. No need to recycle it this week save it for next week when you got a tag team match of this caliber with all the belts on the line you give them as much tv time as possible because i felt as if maybe they're holding back for a rematch hell in a cell inside the cell and then we get all the good stuff in the structure versus what we got on in grand rapids i should say this past friday night that's that's a realistic possibility or even if we even if we don't get the cell and we just get them you know we get them opening the show and getting them getting 20 minutes, you know, uninterrupted. I'm with that too. And and that's kind of how it felt to me. And maybe that's why I, you know, I'm not quite as high on it as I I really felt like I wanted to be is because it felt like they, they, they stopped themselves from hitting that. Like they were in fourth gear and they didn't want to quite get the fifth gear. You know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to hit that next gear. And I, I just thought they were right there on the cusp of just a, just one of the, I think one of the best tag matches of the year. That 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 first that thirteen minute match, however long it was, was excellent. Would have been an excellent like first half of a match. I I just think you build onto that and you have one of the best matches of the year. For sure, and I think they can still do it probably at Hell in a Cell in a couple of weeks. We'll see if they're going to go in that direction, and that's going to lead to some possible matchups at Money in the Bank. SummerSlam and eventually Clash of the Castle because word on the street is that the opponents of Roman Reigns will be RK Bro, Riddle probably at Money in the Bank and, and Orton as we suggested will be the matchup at SummerSlam. I would love to see it. I think that RK Bro are over as a tag team and to get the parallels out of the way right now, this is not Sasha Naomi, this is RK Bro, a protected tag team whose value regarding those tag team titles have been amplified over the last six or so months. Can't say that for the women's tag team titles. Let's make that perfectly clear. Stadiums versus arenas. There's a difference. There's levels to this. The WWE is prefacing one over the other. And I just want to separate the two from right now. The booking is night and day. I just want to reflect that. But I'm all for those matches going down at the stadiums. They won't win, but you know their star power eclipses that in the end. And and the biggest difference is Randy Orton from this tag team, from this tag team that they've done and this story that he has a riddle has gone from, you know, an over baby face, you know, a respected legend to arguably, and I think there's a very strong argument to be made, the most over baby face on the entire roster, probably outside of Bianca Belair. Facts. And when you hear that reaction, sometimes you got to go with it. And that is attributed to good booking from WWE, which is a rarity. 
but Randy's over. And when he's over, you got to understand that sometimes you got to pivot a bit. And I'm all for Randy having that moment in Nashville, presumably in July. But before we wrap things up, I got to call out Randy for one thing. There is a TikTok video I retweeted earlier today in that he was beat down, choked out by Roman Reigns live on SmackDown. And of course, when you have your dark match segment, it's not for the cameras. And it was Bianca Belair versus someone. And Bianca Belair comes out to do her entrance and Randy fucking Orton stops selling and starts dancing to her music. And I had tears in my eyes from laughing so hard. This is why I love Randy Orton so much in 2022. This dude is having the time of his life. He goes from selling an injury to dancing to Bianca Belair's music on cue. Well, this is the same Randy Orton who was whipping his uh, hood around like uh, like it was Bianca Belair's uh, like it was Bianca Belair's hair. So I, I listen. This is my favorite wrestler, and I I am in I am enjoying this run that he's on, just the the fun that he's having, and I, I'm actually I'm gonna actually gonna go look at your Twitter here very soon so I can find that video because that sounds incredible. I cried from laughing. It was perfection. Randy's the best. And I don't even know he, I don't think he realized the camera was on him, but that shit was hilarious. So good for you, Randy. You always bring joy to my life, even during weeks like this. So as we bid adieu, it's now time to reveal the best damn television match from WWE this week. It's kind of hard to choose from. Really good matches. Not a lot to be found on either Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. But I'm sure there is one match in particular that stood out for you, Scott, above the rest. Yeah, you know, the, the unified tag match is the best one for me. I, the Creed Brothers versus the Viking Raiders, though, I do want to shout that match out that was a really really good match especially and it's it's a different style and i know i just said that the other match was a better one but that's a different style match you should definitely go and check out um but yeah the 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 usos versus the rk bro it's it's a really really good match don't let me you know me sounding disappointed in it deter you from watching it oh my bad go ahead keela Oh, no, I think there was like a, like a slight connection issue, so I couldn't hear the last part. <laughs> hey, no, that's that's Joe Gacy. Um, what's going on is he's hacking into the feed because he heard us talking about him earlier. He said we didn't give him enough time. That's that's Joe Gacy right there. You remember Ray Mysterio booyakud me. This is Joe Gacy doing the druids. He's got his druids hacking us. And quite frankly, we gave you too much time, Joe Gacy. Let's be honest <laughs> That's here. Right. But yeah, Usos versus RK Bro is my, my match of the week. All right, glad you was able to say it because I could not hear it for a bit. Damn you, Joe Gacy. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to talk over you because I could not hear you. I thought you were like, done. I feel so bad. But my pick goes to actually the Creed Brothers versus the Viking Raiders on NXT 2.0. I love that match. They just fight really hard. It's just a battle. It's a big hoss fight between two badass tag teams. Brutus and those cakes were bouncing on that floor. <laughs> and... I never want him to take that bump again. Please don't, sir. You need five people catching you despite the cushion that you're carrying. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, all these people think just because they got a caboose, they can just be dropping it anywhere they want. You can't just be dropping that thing on anything. That floor ain't given, you know? You can't just be doing stuff like that. That ain't no, that's not the ring. That's not the ring you bouncing on, you know? Like, what, dude? Great looking spot, though. Let me tell you, the cannonball looks fantastic. 
it's great, but he needs five people catching him. Yeah, I don't. But I certainly don't want to be one of the five people catching him. <laughs> Let me tell you that I don't want to be one of those guys either. Because I don't think there's going to be too many people being like, "Oh yeah, I'll be down there. I'll definitely catch you. Let's do that spot. That sounds great. I can't wait to catch you coming down like a five hundred pound mallet." <laughs> Screaming cannonball, which is even better. I love it. So this wraps up a very informative and fun episode of The Wrap. And we enjoyed ourselves as always. And I want to thank Scott for joining me as always, despite his warrior slander, which will continue. And I will continue to counter it with my love for the warriors. Yeah, I'll, uh, we'll see how the games go this week. If, uh, if the Warriors sweep the Mavericks, you might not hear from me next week. I, you know, I don't know if I can come on this show and have to deal with hearing the, oh my goodness. You can find me on Twitter at Knee4MarvelVerse DC. That's the number four. You're probably going to see some Warriors slander on there as well. I think I'm just going to start sending out hate tweets and hopefully Draymond sees it and, that's not going to do anything. He doesn't care. Nobody cares because they're still going to win. Dear I might not be here next week. Dear listeners, don't listen to Scott. He'll be back here next week. He wants to smoke. He can't help it. I mean, that is why this show thrives because I, I marinate in his misery. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds like, that sounds like some Joe Gacy would say to Braun Brick while he was sitting with his druids. I'm marinating in your misery as I burned the ring that I stole. Can we talk? I'm sorry. I know we got to go. I know we're past our time. I know Gigi's going to be like, man, what are y'all doing? Can we talk about how this dude admitted to stealing, kidnapping? Uh, I think there was arson in there. Yes. Like, he admitted to at least about five or six crimes, like on camera. If I'm Braun Breaker, I'm just going to call the cops, have the title vacated, <laughs> you know, or not title vacated, but I'm just going to call the cops and then I don't have to worry about getting DQ'd. I'm just going to have you counted out. You can't even get to the ring. This man committed four felonies and two misdemeanors and he's telling Braun Breaker, hey, dude, you don't get to flip out on me that much, despite my crimes I've admitted. And all he was missing was a cat he could stroke the entire time. Like and, little do and little do y'all know, Harlan... What was so important about him, he was the only one of those two that had a license. See? Gacy's been driving around with no license. You want to talk about breaking laws? This dude's been doing it every single week when he comes to the show. And somehow he still has access to the building. Shawn Michaels, what kind of show are you running to allow a felon to enter your doors? That's that old Hickenbottom. Hickenbottom, Hickenbottom, Hickenbottom. Well, when you say his government name, we know that we're done now and we're going to put a bow on this episode of The Wrap. It was a very fun show. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week recapping all things WWE as we get ready for Hell in a Cell in a couple of Sundays for myself and noted warrior supporter Scott Young. That's a wrap on all things WWE. Nope. <laughs>